chapter 1. At the end of service, we're going to welcome some new members. My wife is going to lead that moment. We'll welcome some new members into the church. Now, I have to tell you, um, God is at work always. Jesus said, my father is working, and so am I. And um, God is never not at work. He is always working. But so is the devil. And the devil uh, will come at night and plant tear amongst the wheat. He'll come and try to distract and discourage, to divide, uh, to do anything he can to stop the work of God. And I know God is at work in the life of this church, and he's at work in my life. He's at work in your life. And because of that, there will be resistance. There will be uh, ploys, methodology of the enemy to try to stop us in walking in the work of the Lord. And we are encouraged when we recognize the schemes of the enemy to not think it strange, to even count it all joy, and to look to God, who is our ultimate uh, warrior. He is our shield. He is our uh, defender. And uh, today, uh, at least in my spirit and with some things around me, there's been distractions and resistance. And I sense it in the atmosphere. But I thank God that we were able to worship. Because during worship, I was able to, as Christy would say, calibrate. And I thank God for the Bible because the word of God says that God sent his word and he healed the people. That when God speaks, that when this Bible is open and when it's read, yet alone preach, when it's read, uh, the enemy cannot stay in an atmosphere where the Lord is exalted and the truth is spoken. And so whether that's in a church environment, your home or your life, that when you sense adversity, you press through, we press through, we worship and we depend on truth and the enemy will flee because it's called drawing nigh to God. Any Bible readers in here, he will draw nigh to you, resist the devil and he will flee. So let me pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, yes, we resist the enemy and we thank you that uh, he considers us worthy enough, whether individually or institutionally, to try to come against us in the atmosphere, in heavenly places, Uh, to try to distract us, to take us off track, to remove our focus from you, to look at what is seen and what is not seen. But thank you, Holy Spirit, who battles in us and through us, who reminds us of who we are in Christ. And thank you, Lord, that when we come to church, yes, it's a celebration. Yes, it's a time to get together and see one another, but it's also a time of warfare because things that will be spoken today, whether from the pulpit or in the pew, from brother to brother and sister to sister, has the power to not only break yokes and set people free, but also to speak destiny and purpose into one another's lives. So, Lord, this is a great moment in time where you are about to speak. We have worshipped you in song. Now we want to hear from you through your word. So, Lord God, do what only you can do with the word. Cleanse us transform us, encourage us, bring conviction to us. And Lord, we lift up the Miller family and pray that you would give them grace to bear right now in this season. Lord, I thank you for people like Charles and others who will surround them with their presence. No words can help a family in this moment unless we're just speaking the words of God. But even then, we just need to be quiet and just be there to bear burdens. I pray for people in our congregation right now who are hurting, who are weeping on the inside, but may not know how to verbalize. 
Holy Spirit, you are called the comforter. Would you bring comfort to your people that will cause their understanding where it will be like, I don't even know how I feel the comfort that I feel based on what's going on in my life. Holy Spirit, do the work in Jesus name and Holy Spirit go before the Tomlinsons as they go forth to Jerusalem into Israel to minister to your people to serve those who know you and those who don't know you, to be ministers of reconciliation, walking in the ministry of reconciliation, knowing, Lord, that there is warfare on both sides. But, Lord, I pray that you would keep them safe. I pray, thanking you for the gospel shoes of peace that they dawn. Oh, Lord, would you bless their going out, and would you bring them back to us blessed. Thank you for the work of many on the ground that we will never know their names. They won't make it into the magazines or even on the front page of periodicals. But, Lord, you know who they are. They are champions who are providing for your people, who are feeding your people, who are clothing your people, who are helping your people. We don't know who they are, but you know who they are. They may be last down here, but, Lord, they are first up there. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless in an unusual way. Thank you, Lord. We look forward to your return, Jesus. We as the church say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We are passing through this place. This place, oh Lord, it grieves our spirit like creation. We groan because of this world. We're in it, but Lord, we thank you that we're no longer of it. We have been saved. We've been born from above. So thank you, Lord. And we say, come quickly, but until then, strengthen us to be the church. May our salt be salty. May our light be bright. May our mouths speak the oracles of God. May we have the understanding, as Jesus said, to be harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. May we stop getting taken for granted in this place. May we not think it's strange when the world is just running rapidly towards sin and debauchery and lasciviousness and we are standing, even being ridiculed. So be it, Lord Jesus, so be it. We stand with you and we are a peculiar people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and we do not apologize for the blood of Jesus. We do not apologize for who we are in Christ and who he is in us we stand and having done everything to stand and now bless your word because it is a blessing preach through this preacher we pray in the mighty name of jesus and i dare somebody to say hallelujah come on give me a hallelujah up in here give god a hallelujah in here come on come on now he's worthy yes he is oh man titus chapter one You can't build a relationship with people who lie. I made a hard left turn. But stay with me. You and I can't build relationships with people who lie. People who aren't truthful can't be trusted. People who aren't truthful can't be trusted because you never know when they're telling you the truth or when they're telling you a lie. And even when they get caught in a lie, they're not always quick to admit that they've been caught in a lie. So thus we have to don our Sherlock Holmes gear and become investigative reporters and all kinds of things to try to track them down, catch them in the lie so that they can admit, okay, I was lying. They can't be trusted. But you don't have to worry about that with God because 
he won't lie to us. God will not lie to us. Matter of fact, he won't lie because he can't lie. And because he can't lie, he can be trusted. Oh, man, that's so good. I got to say it one more time. God won't lie because he can't lie. And because he can't lie, he can be trusted. And as we'll see today, men lie. And that's why we have trouble trusting one another. And sometimes we transfer that distrust over to God and we think that God lies to us. But no, God won't lie because God can't lie. And so part two from last week, meet God. I I want you to meet God in another aspect today. Last week we met God and we talked about how from Titus chapter one, verses one through three, that he is sovereign and he elects. So last week we talked about his sovereign will and how humans have human will and how God's sovereign will and our human will somehow work together without violating the other. It is a mystery. God is sovereign. He is in complete control. And so we talked about that and we worship him because of his sovereignty, because Ephesians says in love, he predestined us. And we talked about the doctrine of election and I won't review. Listen to that online. Uh, But also from this passage, we see other aspects about God. We see that God uh, not only elects, but God also is eternal. Maybe next week we'll talk about that. And then we see that God saves. But today, let's just talk about the fact that he cannot lie. For the first weeks of this passage, I've been trying to introduce you to the key players in this book. We've met Titus, God's Navy SEAL. We met Paul, who was a slave and an apostle, who was instrumental not only in Titus's spiritual growth, but also in the ministry on this island in Crete, where the people are the recipients of this letter from Paul. But today and last week and maybe even next week and the week after, we're going to do our best to meet God. So read with me Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Paul a bondservant or slave of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect. So there it is, God elects. And the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So if he's making a promise before time begins, that tells us that he is eternal. So maybe next week we'll look at that. But in verse 3, has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. So he saves, he saves. So just by looking at these verses, a few things pop out that tell us a little bit about who God is. So today, he cannot lie. He cannot lie. Why is it that he cannot lie? Because his nature is truth. His nature is light. And in him, First John says, no darkness dwells whatsoever. But follow with me here. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 says that God is truth. It says he is the rock. His work is perfect, even when we don't understand it. His ways are higher than our ways, are they not? 
His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His work is always perfect, even as he works with imperfect people. For all his ways are justice, a God of what? Truth. And without injustice, righteous and upright is he. That's who we serve. Our God is righteous. He is upright. He is holy. He is pure. He is just. He is truth. You see, we need to meet God because nowadays so much of preaching has focused on what we can get out of having a relationship with God. And it's become so me-focused, so myopic, so self-consumed. We always need steps and principles to talk about our purpose and all of that. And that has its place. But sometimes we got to get back to some good old theology. Talk to us about who God is. Because if we don't know who God is or have a sound understanding of who he is, then we're just a bunch of humanistic Christians trying to strap his principles on our selfish motivations. But when I understand who he is, it puts who I am in context. Can I get half an amen in here? Say A if you follow me. So God is truth. He cannot lie. Well, what about his son, Jesus? What, what did Jesus say? John 14, 6. I am, hallelujah, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the truth. There would be times where uh, Jesus would say to the people, how many of you can convince me of sin? Because he knew he lived a life of truthfulness. He was sinless. He was perfect. He spoke the truth. He was the truth personified. And when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come to the Father except coming through me. If Jesus lied when he said that, then he is disqualified as our Savior and as our Messiah. You see, he's claiming exclusivity in John 14, 6. So if he is not who he says he is when he says he's the truth and the only way to God, if he is not that, then we need to go look for another savior. But I'm here to tell you that he is the truth and he is the only way to get to God. He is more than qualified because he comes from the bosom of the father. He has declared the father. Oh, my goodness. There is not another like Jesus Christ. He is the truth and the only way to God. You will not get to God trying to get on another road. He's the door of the sheepfold. That's not popular today, but that's truth. Oh, can I get an amen? Now, it's one thing when the world doesn't believe that, but it's getting to a point where even the church doesn't even believe that anymore. Oh, my. But this church, as long as I'm pastor in this church, we believe Jesus is the only way to get to God. We don't say that in arrogance. We say that in confidence. We also recognize the responsibility to go out into the world and let the world know there's only one way. There's only one road to get to God. And his name is Jesus. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And by his grace, I'm on that road. By his grace, I know the way. By his grace, I've been saved. We got to get busy. Because the liar is busy. Well, the spirit, he is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13. Check this out. Jesus says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. Why? Because we live in a world full of lies. Jesus said that Satan was a liar from the beginning. When he rolled up on Adam and Eve, he lied to them. And the first thing he did was he questioned the truth and the veracity of the word of God. 
and they fell for it. And he still does the same thing with us. And even if we start quoting scripture, the devil knows how to quote scripture too. So therefore, we better understand. We better have our antennas up today. We better discern what's going on, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of error is in this world. The spirit of antichrist is in this world. And we will get sucked in believing doctrines taught by demons if we're not rooted in the gospel and rooted in the truth. My God, we got to know who we are and whose we are. My God, he is truth. Jesus is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. And so when he is in you and he leads you into all truth, when you encounter falsehood, the Holy Spirit in you is kind of like a, 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 something in your car that goes off that says uh, your tire pressure. Something is not right, and you got to read what it says and then make an adjustment. The Holy Spirit in you is an indicator saying something ain't right with what that dude is saying right there. Something is not, oh, the Spirit, he leads you into all truth, not just in understanding the Bible, but also in how you live your life, because you can walk some places and start sensing the presence of evil. Wait a minute now, wait a minute, hold on. Oh, wait a minute, I know they said Christian on the door, but I don't know if it's Christian on the inside. I don't know about this. You can keep on going if you want to, but if we don't know his voice, if we don't spend enough time with him in the next one, which is the word of truth, how will we be able to discern the lies that come against us, even disguised with Jesus' name on it? Jesus said many false Christ are going to come, and if possible, they'll even deceive the elect. So, y'all, we got to know the truth. As Pastor Darrell would remind us from Jesus, it sets us free, but it also keeps us safe. Mm, mm, mm. Let me get an amen from the lights. Let me get an amen from the lights. Amen. Uh, spring forward now. I know. Thank you, lights. Thank you, lights. Amen. <laughs> that was good. John 17, 17. Sanctify them, Jesus said, by your truth. He's, this is his prayer. Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word. It's truth. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true and every man a liar. Every man that wants to redefine what marriage is, is a liar. Because Jesus said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So if you come at me with any other definition of the family besides what God created and designed and blessed, you are a liar. And I'm not going to accept it. I don't care if you're the president. I don't care if you're my cousin. I don't accept it. But a lot of times we don't want to stand on the truth because we don't want to be persecuted for it. We don't want to be called names. But guess what? They're going to call you names anyway. They might as well call you a name for standing for the Lord. Because they're going to talk about your shoes, your hat, your head, your hair, your clothes, your purse, your car, your house, your spouse. They're going to talk about you. Might as well talk about me for standing for Jesus. They're going to talk about it. Man, let me go on. The church is the place of truth. Oh, my. First Timothy 3.15, I write, Paul says, so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So if you're supposed to hear truth anywhere, you might not hear it in your classroom, you might not hear it on your job, you won't hear it on television, you ought to be able to hear it in church. 
because this is the pillar and foundation of truth. And in this church, we're supposed to preach from the word of truth, talking about the God of truth through the spirit of truth and the son who is the truth. This place ought to be a place for truth. But here's the deal. We all don't like hearing truth. And so we like to find people, Second Timothy, that will tickle our ears and tell us what we want to hear as opposed to what we need to hear. You know, I've been to doctors over my lifetime, and sometimes I don't like doctors because they tell me stuff I don't want to hear. Well, Mr. Williamson, and they start telling me stuff. I don't want to hear that. I want you to make me feel good. But if that doctor's worth his or her grain of salt, they will tell me what I need to hear, even if it's not what I want to hear, because they care about me. And even though I might leave out with my jaws tight when they say, you need to stop eating this in your diet, or you need to lose that, you need to do this. My jaws may be tight, but I'm thanking God for them because they had the courage to tell me the truth and not just medicate me and pass me on. Oh, my goodness. When you got a good doctor, when you got a good pastor who tells you what you may not want to hear, even though it's what you need to hear, you better thank God for that pastor. Better thank God for that mother who tells you stuff, that father, that husband, that wife who speaks the truth to you in a hope to save your life. But here's what happens, though. In the beautiful church, I make a whole lot of enemies. Pastor Darrell makes a whole lot of enemies. Pastor John makes a whole lot of enemies. Why is that? Galatians 4.16, Paul said to that church, he said, have I now become your enemy because I spoke the truth to you? So sometimes when you speak truth to people, they don't want to hear it. Now, I don't understand how this works. People who have a messed up life come see us. And we share with them the truth of the Lord to try to help get their messed up life together. And we share it out of a place of humility, lest we be tempted and fall. We're trying to restore someone who's fallen, who's broken. But as we share truth with them, because their heart hasn't been marinated with the Lord, they resist the truth and they turn on the person speaking the truth to them. That's why Jesus says, be careful with your pearls, because if you cast them before swine, they just might turn on you, try to tear you up like dogs, because everybody don't want the truth, because when the truth goes out, you'll either repent or you will rebel. Every counseling session, we know what we're dealing with. So when we share the truth, some people's hearts hit oh, and they repent, and they ask for grace from God and grace from people. Oh, man, that's a beautiful thing. But sometimes when we share that truth, man, people rebel and then they gnash on the messenger with their teeth. You know how Stephen was stoned. They gnash on the messenger when they don't like the truth that's been spoken to them. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know how I get blamed for people's marriages when they mess up. <laughs> Can I keep it real? Why are you snarling at me because your wife divorced you? I didn't tell her to divorce you. Why are you mad at me because your husband did this? That same stank attitude you got towards me has manifested over and over again in your marriage. And that person said, I ain't having it no more. And because you can't get to God with your anger, you're going to take it out to someone who represents God in his house. So a lot of your nastiness, it's all spiritual. And that's why I just keep smiling when I see you in the mall, when I see you in Kroger, and you're just nasty when you look at me. I'm just smiling. I spoke the truth. I love you. But, man, I'm not changing this word for you. You stink with your attitude. You stink. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. 
If you want to be a pastor or a leader of people, you better be prepared because they'll hosanna you one minute and then they will crucify you the next. But man, when you stand on the truth of the word, so be it. You ought to expect it to happen. Everybody didn't listen to Jesus. They're not going to listen to you or me bearing the truth. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, Lord. But everything about God is truth. In fact, it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6.18, it says, in which it is impossible for God to lie. So when God tells you he loves you, <laughs> he's not lying. He can't lie. It's impossible for him to lie. John 17, Jesus says, as my father has loved me, so he has loved you. That is amazing. So when I just sit and meditate on how much he loves me, and how nothing can separate me from his love that is in Christ Jesus. This love casts out all fear. Because what can man do to me? What can circumstances do to me? What can sickness do to me? He loves me, and his love for me will never, ever change. I'm secure. I'm satisfied. He is my portion. He loves me, and that is enough. That's why the gospel is not just for lost people. It's for saved people, to remind us how much Jesus loves us, that he died he was buried and he is risen for me today and he is enough. His love. Oh, man, I should write a song about that right now. When he tells you he loves you, he's not lying. When he tells you he forgives you, he's not lying. Sometime I'll ask God, Lord, forgive me for this. I had a bad attitude. I said something I shouldn't have said. I looked where I shouldn't have looked. Pastor Darrell talked about the Internet. One time I went surfing with the, whoa, don't go down there. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. Then about five minutes later, I say, Lord, please forgive me for what I just confessed five minutes ago. And the Lord is like, what are you talking about? I already forgave you. I'm not going to bring it up against you anymore. Chris, you need to forgive yourself. Because if I, the righteous one, can forgive you, you need to forgive yourself. And in the words of Frozen, let it go. <laughs> let it go. And that gives you the grace to forgive somebody else who sins against you. Let it go. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Oh, Jesus, I need you. I need you to help me through that. I'm still the Savior, Chris. I got you. I'll never leave you. So when I tell you I won't leave you or forsake you, I'm not lying. When I tell you that I've adopted you, I'm not lying. When I tell you that no one can snatch you out of my hand, I'm not lying. That's why I believe in eternal security. Because it's not about my performance, but it's about his power to keep saved those whom he saved. And when God tells me that the devil is defeated, he ain't lying, baby. He ain't lying. He ain't lying. He ain't. When he tells me I'm more than a conqueror, he's not lying. When he tells me I've overcome by the blood of the lamb, he's not lying. The question is, will I believe him or will I believe my feelings? Will I be ruled by my own imagination? And again, the lies of the enemy who's trying to combat the truth of God. Will I believe what God has said about me? Or will I believe what the enemy in my flesh is saying about me? Oh, there's a war. Which is why, how shall a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed to the word of God. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word tells me who I am. I need your truth in my life. Because there's so many lies in me and around me. The only way to combat it is with you and with your word. So in order for us to grasp the truthfulness of God, the one who cannot lie, will not lie, it's impossible for him to lie. 
that truth must be contrasted with the lies of man. The truthfulness of God must be contrasted against, as a preacher, I'm about to create a word. We have that power to do that. It is, it is contrasted against the lifefulness of man. Lifefulness is not a word. But it sounds good next to truthfulness. So I just created that. Life, that's right, baby. Look at Numbers 23, 19. You want to know how truthful God is? Look at this. God is not a man <laughs> that he should lie. What does that tell you? Men lie. God does not lie. Well, before you get on your self-righteous sanctimonious stallion right now, I don't lie. Just hold on. Just hold on. Because, again, the focus is not on us. It's on him. And we see how short we fall of his glory and how much we need his grace to lift us up. We fall short. But I know I've met people who tell me that they don't lie. And as soon as they told me that, they were lying. <laughs> I was at a conference once. And this old dude was sitting behind a desk. and He was like, I do not sin. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, and I said, in the, I was on the panel. I said, my man, you sin as soon as you said you don't sin. First John chapter one, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> if you walk around talking about you don't sin, you're going to walk around thinking you don't need a savior from sin. And you're going to think you're the savior and that you're the perfect one. No, I see my sin and I see my need for grace. That's why even when I'm walking in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Wait a minute, pastor, if you're walking in light, that means you're walking in holiness. Why do you need blood to cleanse you? Because as I walk in the light, the light exposes my dark areas and shows me my need for the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me. Because the closer I get to Christ, the more aware of my sin I become. So that's why, like Paul, I can say, woe is me woe is me woe is me but thank god blessed is me blessed is me because of the love of jesus and his blood that was shed on my behalf so i'm this walking contradiction i'm wretched and i'm righteous man i'm messed up and i'm blessed up in here i still need jesus you ain't arrived you haven't gotten there stop lying homeboy people lie people ask you how you doing and you say, fine. You know you lying when you say fine. We lie without even thinking about it. Because we say, man, if I tell them how I'm really doing, they're not going to think I'm spiritual. <laughs> we don't have time. Uh, I'm fine. We lie. Well, past everybody does that. Well, everybody lies. Somebody going through something, man, I, I, I'll pray for you. How many times have you told somebody you're going to pray for them, knowing good and well you're not going to pray for them? I got so convicted years ago about that, that the Lord said, you might as well pray for people the minute you say you're going to pray for them. Because I believe it's somewhere over in 1 Samuel where it says, may it not be a sin that if I say I pray for you, that I'm going to pray for you and I fail to do it. No, 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 no. Don't say you're going to pray for something. Oh, we've been praying. You haven't prayed. And what's this stuff that's, it, it sounds good. People put it online. Sending out prayers to you and your family. You're not praying to somebody's family. That's what the world does. They only want God to come in when there's a tragedy and they'll only have him come in for about 30 minutes. So we're sending our prayers to so-and-so and so-and-so. That's what the world says. 
No, no, we're sending up prayers to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's the stamp on the envelope that gets the mail through, the name of Jesus. If I don't put the name of Jesus on it, man, you're just sending something up into the atmosphere, praying to somebody. We ain't praying to people. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. We lie, man. We tell people, it's good to see you. You know it ain't good to see some of these folk. But when God sees us, he does say, it's good to see you. He doesn't lie. We lie to God in worship. Take all my possessions. You lying. You know you don't want him to take all your possessions. Take all my possessions. That's why some of us don't sing during worship, because at least we have enough respect not to lie. Pastor John, that must be why I sometimes just be quiet up in here. People are like, I ain't going to sing that. That's why you got to make your song your prayer. And that's why in the black church, we repeat it over and over again till that get up in your spirit and it can become the truth for you. I surrender all. I, I ain't surrendering. But when you get up to the third and 14th and 15th stanza, all right, I surrender. There you go. I, I surrender. It's the truth now. I believe it. Cain lied to God. God said, where's your brother? He had the audacity to say to God after killing him, I don't know. And then he had, he mouthed back, am I my brother's keeper? See, lying will make you stupid. The stupid spirit jumps on you when you lie. And we see how merciful God was that he did not destroy him in that moment. We lie about money. We lie about how much money we make. (laughs) We lie about how much money we spend. We lie about how much money we have in our pocket. So when a homeless dude come up and say, my man, can I get a dollar? We lie and say, I ain't got it today, dog. But no, we got $50 in our pocket. We lying. Rather than saying to the dude, man, I don't want to give you any money today for whatever reason. Or, hey, man, let me take you and get you a cup of coffee, whatever. But we'll lie and say, man, I don't have it because we don't want to be bothered. Well, Pastor, that's just a little white lie. A white lie? Is that supposed to mean an innocent lie? If it's half the truth, it's all a lie. And what's a black lie? Oh, don't get me started on that. We try to minimize sin. Minimize. We lie about how much we make. We lie about how much we spend. We lie about how much we have. We lie about how much we owe. We lie about how much we give. (laughs) There was a dude in the Bible named Ananias that lied to the Holy Spirit after lying to the apostles about how much he gave. Now, he sold some land and told the apostles that this is how much I got for the land, when in truthfulness, he kept back part of it. But he tried to make it seem like he gave all of this that he sold. Peter said, man, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? You could have kept back what you wanted to keep back and just said this is what you gave. But since you lied to God, boom, that brother dropped dead. Called the wife in because lying is contagious. You start lying, your wife start lying. Wife come in and asked her the same questions. She lied just like her husband lied. And then Peter said, well, the dudes that carried out your husband, they're right at the door. Come get her. Boom, she drops dead. I bet you the offerings at that church after that were nobody lying up in there. The holiness of God spread through that church. Like, don't play with him. He's truth. Don't lie. So strong, Tower. Let me talk about that survey we took a while back. Over 80% of our members said, oh, we give a tithe or more at Strong Tower. That's what the survey said. Over 80% of our congregation, which is different from most congregations where only 20% of the people give 80% of the budget. 
But in our church, 80% of the people said, we not only give a tithe, we give over a tithe. That's what the survey said. But, man, them offerings say something totally different. And somebody lying up in Strong Tower Bible Church. Yeah. You lied on that survey. Or as Elder Clifton would say, well, if everybody's tithing, then everybody must be working at some really, everybody's working at minimum wage jobs. Because what we're seeing as we add it up ain't reconciling with what we see in this survey here. We should never have a financial issue if over 80% of our people give a tithe or more. Mm, we're going to be passing out Band-Aids. Ushers, would you pass out Band-Aids at this time? Help people that may be bleeding right now in Jesus' name. We lie about our age, height, and weight. Man, I went to the doctor the other day, and I hate getting on them scales they have in there, them old scales where they're pushing the thing. <laughs> hate getting on them. I feel like they add 10, 15 pounds when you get on them, you know? So I'm taking off everything as I can, my shoes, my hat, my coat, about to take my shirt off so I can take off as much weight as I can before I get up on the scale. And so one day I go into the office, and they don't ask me to get on that thing. I'm like, praise God. Because it's just a reminder. I'm, I'm in process. Your boy is working. Your boy is working. But, man, I ain't where I want to. Thank God I ain't where I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be. And that scale, because uh, I don't weigh myself as I'm doing my program. I don't weigh myself because that scale can, mm. So they put you on that thing. Uh. So one day they didn't weigh me. I was like, whoo, praise the Lord. Then I'm sitting down, and they say, uh, now, your height? They asked me, got the, I'm like, uh-oh. I say 5'11". They said, wait. I said, mm. <laughs> And why is it we always go down on the low end of the weight? We don't tell the truth on the high end. We, because when we lie, we're, we're, we're so afraid of being who we are. We don't want to tell the truth because we think people will shun us. We have fear, so we lie. Or we're so concerned with impressing people that we'd rather unimpress God by telling a lie. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah, your pastor struggles with lying. Oh, yeah. I have to record my mileage for my taxes. And so sometimes I don't write it down the right way. Let's see, that trip I took over there to minister at the hospital, how many miles was that? Then I went over here to the comic book store. Does that count as ministry? No, 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 no. And put this down here. And the Holy Spirit's like, now, bruh, why you got to measure out to the high end? Why, why don't you come down to the low end sometime on this mileage? Because you're about to lose your whole testimony over, what, $200 on your taxes? Is your testimony, your integrity, it's got to be worth more than $200 that you're trying to lie for on this thing. Oh, my goodness. Now, I got the mic in my hand, and so confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation. So please don't look at me like it. Mm-hmm. But if I pass this mic around to y'all and I tell you, tell me what you did on your taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll get, it'll get quiet up in here. Husbands lie, husbands lie. Uh, wife come out the bathroom. Baby, how this dress look? Now, Right there, you have a, a moment. Do, do, do you tell her you don't like the dress? Or do you lie and say, oh, baby, that's a beautiful dress? Every man has been at that place where we have lied and said we like the dress. We like that new hairstyle. We like that perfume. No, we don't like it. We lie. We're so used to lying. And then the wife lies, too. Now, baby, what you got on? I ain't never seen that before. Oh, this old thing. Oh, I didn't had this. You ain't had that. We lie. 
parents lie to the kids. My folks used to lie to me about Santa Claus, man. I'm growing up as a kid in the hood, me and my brother Harold, Wayne, Cindy, Kathy. They tell us about Santa Claus. And I'm like, something ain't working with this story here. When I look around, ain't no white people in this neighborhood. But you mean to tell me a fat white dude is going to come to our house December 24th? We don't even have a chimney. But you're telling me there's something ain't right with that. Lie about the tooth fairy, you know. Teeth, put them under the pillow, and then you wake up and see a dime or a quarter. My parents never got over that quarter, though. You know, I'm pulling teeth out trying to get some money. Never got over that quarter, though. We, we lied to our kids. Or you help your kid with the project that they just can't get right. You tired. All right, here, bring that project to me. That kid go to school and try to act like they did that project. You lying. And that kid is lying. And kids lie too. Remember when you would forge your parents' signature on stuff? You lying. Remember when you would try to turn an F into an A? You lying. We just lie. We just lie. No wonder that ninth commandment is you shall not bear false witness because God knows we're going to have trouble with that thing. Man. I remember I used to uh, wear my homeboy's clothes. And I would lie like they were my clothes. I would go to the party in my homeboy's shoes or with my homeboy's shirt. And I'm up there doing my thing at the party. And they'd be like, oh, there's some fresh kicks. Oh, yeah, you know, I do what I do. They my homies' kicks. <laughs> we just lying. Driving your parents' car, trying to act like it's your car. Lying. Pastors lie. Oh, my goodness, pastors lie. When you ask a pastor, how many people do you have coming to your church? And when the pastor, when his eyes like go like this, uh-oh, he in trouble. And then when he says, we have about, when he says about, that, he lying right there. Because he's about to say, we have about five or a thousand, five hundred or a thousand people. How do you go from five hundred to a thousand, bro? What is it? Usually, you just got two hundred people, and that's all right. You don't have to say that you've got all this because you're trying to impress other people. We lie. We get this honorary doctorate from some ghetto school somewhere. And now we're putting doctor in front of our name and we're trying to play like we got an earned doctorate. Bro, you know that's an honorary doctorate. Or you got a doctorate from a correspondence course that you took for like three weeks and they sent you a doctorate because you sent them $100 and you walked around as a pastor and everybody calling you doc. You're not a doctor. You playing doctor. You're not a doctor. Pastors lie. Pastors lie. Pastors lie on expense reports, just like businessmen lie on expense reports. Employees lie. Uh, what time did you get in? I was here on time. You snuck in through the back door. What time did you leave? Uh, I left on time. As a matter of fact, I stayed after. I didn't see you when I left. Though. No, you left early, calling in sick. You're lying. Musicians lie. How many records have you sold, man? Well, I think I sold about, there it is. Tell the truth, you sold 10 records. How many people at your show? How many people? Oh, let's see. It, it holds 1,000 at the Coliseum. Let's see. Uh, you're lying. Politicians lie. I won't raise taxes. Yes, you will. I did not have sex with uh, police officers lie. <laughs> police officers lie. He went for my gun. I found crack on him. Athletes lie. Bruh, how many yards did you get? And we lie. How many points did you score? 
How many rebounds did you get? I know one man who lied about playing in Division One for, for a football team, Division One, And because this dude lied so much, I Googled the sucker. I said, let me look him up. He said he played for so-and-so. And I'm looking at the team picture. He's nowhere to be found. So I go back to my man, yo, man, I thought you said you played for so-and-so. And he came up with a lie to cover the lie that he told about the lie. Because when you lie, you got to keep telling lies to cover your lies. But when you tell the truth, you never, ever have to remember what you said. When you tell the truth, man, you live at peace, have a clear conscience. Oh, my goodness. Let me keep on moving. Players lie. Players, players lie. Uh, singles will tell you, I'm not having sex. Then comes out that they're having sex. Married people will say, I am not cheating on my spouse. Come to find out they are cheating on their spouse. Let me take you back to like the third year of the church. I was telling Pastor Daryl about this this morning. I'm a new pastor. I'm sitting in there with a couple. They're struggling. They're fighting with each other. And I don't know what to do. I'm trying my best to help them. Sometimes they're turning on me, getting mad at me. I'm like, hey, I'm just here to help. Then the husband accused the wife of being unfaithful. And he had some evidence and he said this that and the other and the wife was like no 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 he's lying and so i'm young pastor okay i'll take it take them at their word okay well as it would happen about hmm, a week later pastor daryl and i are walking through what was known as hickory hollow mall we had had lunch there in the food court you know i like food courts and so we're walking through the mall and not a lot of people are in the mall that day But lo and behold, as we look up, we see the woman who was in my counseling session who said that she was not cheating on her husband. I look up and she's not by herself. I look to see if it's her husband who was in the counseling session and it wasn't him. It was another dude and they were holding hands. I said, oh, wait a minute. We have a dilemma here. So, you know me, I walked up to her. I said, hey, what's this all about? And right there, she started lying to Pastor Daryl and I, talking about, uh, uh, this is my cousin. and then, uh, That ain't your cousin. You busted. Because here's the thing about telling a lie. Numbers 32, 23. You can be sure your sin will find you out. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but we can't fool God any of the time. And there will come a time when God will say, okay, I'm going to pull the covers back and expose you for the liar that you are. So it behooves us to tell the truth. Y'all, the Cretans were liars. Look at Titus chapter 1, verse 12, and I'm done. Paul said, one of them, a prophet of their own. In other words, one of the Cretans. Now, what he's about to say was a quote or believed to be a quote from a prophet, a Cretan prophet named Epimenides. So he said, one of them, possibly Epimenides, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Then Paul says in verse 13, this testimony is true. When I was on that island, these mercenaries, these pirates, these folks on there, they are liars. So what Epimenides said about his own people was true. They are always liars. Isn't that a bad testimony to have that you always lie? And we know professing Christians who have that testimony that they always lie. The word kritizo, 
which is an ancient verb of Cretan. It means to lie. So the people of Crete lied so much that they had a word. Their, their name meant lie. Just like in Corinth, that term Corinthianized meant to have immorality. In Crete, man, you're liars. Now, I love what happens here. And maybe this would be another talk. I know we've got a table fellowship coming up, international table fellowship. We're going to talk about race through international lenses. Can't wait to hear some of our Jamaicans and our Nigerians and our Australians talk about race in America, race from where they're from, you know, as we have fellowship later this month. But if you notice in this passage, it says one of their own said that my people are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy. And Paul said it's true. Sometimes, what I'm throwing in right now is for free. This is for free. Sometimes in the diverse kingdom, you need to hear truth spoken to you from your own about the ways of your people. <laughs> Man. A Cretan said, our people do this, that, and the other. When I do racial reconciliation talks to majority audiences, they don't always hear it when I say things that I have sensed over years that uh, personify the white community. They won't hear it. But it usually is heard if a white brother says to his own people different things about his own community. Just like if he walked up into a Black Panther party and tried to say something to black folk, it won't go too far. But if I say some things to my own people, there's a chance it's going to go a little bit further. So Paul, a Jew, said, what y'all saying about each other up in here is true. I done seen that about y'all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So black people, let me say this to my folks since I'm black. <laughs> Stop. Now, don't have, don't have a, a big applause on this. Stop blaming and take responsibility. I know people are clapping inside. My people need to hear that from our people. Y'all need to stop blaming the white man. Y'all need to stop blaming this. Take responsibility. Come on, black folk. Take responsibility for this junk we're putting out in music and in media. Take responsibility, black folk. Come on now. Take responsibility for your economic situation. Take responsibility. For your children, take responsibility. <clears throat> but since I don't have a white brother here next to me, hopefully soon we'll have a white brother. But if I had a white brother, just imagine me white right now. <laughs> and I'm a white guy saying what needs to be said to his people. The black guy just says, stop blaming. The white guy would say to his people, stop denying and take responsibility. Because if I say to white folk, man, y'all need to stop living in denial. They're ready to stone a brother. But if a white guy says it, they may not stone him as quick, but they'll at least listen. That part was for free. Stuart, use that at New Hope Academy. Paul's belief, as I close, Paul believed that God was able to transform liars into leaders. That's grace, y'all. Because this same area. That was known for liars. Paul said, now make them leaders in the church. How do you go from being a liar to being a leader in the church? The transforming power and grace and truth of the spirit of God. How do any of us qualify to stand behind a pulpit, carry a Bible, be in the house of God? The grace 
of Jesus because we used to be. But by the grace of God, we are now. And the closer I get to God, the more of his truthfulness rubs off on me. The more I get into his word, the more truthfulness rubs off on me and I lie less. The more time I spend with truth and in truth, the less I'm going to lie. So if you are a liar, and it's hard to minister to people who lie. Because, man, you you can't get a foundation when they're lying. And I've wasted, I don't know how many hours of my life trying to help people who are telling me a lie to my face. Time reveals they're lying. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says they're lying. Now, I haven't seen anybody drop dead in a counseling session, but there's still time. But, man, strong tower. If lying has had you trapped, you've been lying to your wife, you've been lying to your husband, you've been lying to your children, you've been lying to your parents, you've been lying to your professors, you've been lying to your pastor, you've been lying to the government, you've been lying, you've been lying, you've been... If you can hear this message, that means there's hope. But if you're just shrugging this off, I feel for you because God may have given you over to believe the lies that you tell. You keep telling these lies. You keep submitting yourself to the father of lies. God may let you go. Because if you keep telling lies long enough, you're going to start living the lies that you tell. Father God, help us with this. Mm -mm -mm. May we be truth speakers. Thank you that you cannot lie. And because of that, we can trust you. May people trust us because we're known to tell the truth, even if it hurts, even if it exposes our brokenness. May we not be afraid to tell the truth and live and have life and have peace. Tell the truth. Touch this church with that. Touch our staff, our pastors, our elders, everybody with truthfulness in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Sister Dorena, the first lady.